Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. Hi, all you road to growth listeners. Today, we have the rare occasion where we have multiple guests on this podcast. Uh, we got Douglas and Lisa Marie Hatcher, co-founders, Communicate for Impact, storytelling. We've had so many entrepreneurs on this platform, and the one synergy they all have is how do they tell their story? So I think this is a fantastic episode. If, if, uh, if you're just kind of breezing through, if you're trying to find out if this is the right one for you, this is probably going to connect you through all the other entrepreneurs. So thank you, uh, Douglas and Lisa, for being here. Awesome. Great to be here. Thank you so much for having us. So storytelling, storytelling, what, uh, I mean, I, I've had a lot of, a lot of different coaches on a lot of different, um, kind of advisors, people helping guiding, but you guys are hyper-focused on helping people tell their stories. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting. It's, it's become such a buzzword. And I think if, if you asked 10 different, you know, people who are in this space, they probably give you 10 different definitions of what storytelling is. I mean, for us, we have several ways of kind of looking at it. But the main way is that, at least when it comes to a business, that business storytelling is the art and science of making things matter and moving people to act. So it's both. It's, it's uh, making sure that you're relatable, you're empathetic, you put your customer first on the one end. But then you also have to, you know, you're in real estate, you got to close the deal. And um, that's where the second part to move them to take an action, whether that's buy something, subscribe to something, click on something. Mm -hmm. now, now, I know there's a, the idea of what your uh, elevator pitch, right? A lot yeah. of people kind of push through kind of telling your story in a short window of time. But you guys take that to the, the next degree, right? Yeah. Um, listen, you want to talk about story hacks for a sec? Yeah, sure. So. Our storytelling training is really, really simple, and we want to make it as simple to learn and as applicable as possible. So we have honed it down to what we call three story hacks, and these are just simply three narrative structures. They're as old as time. Um, we have story hack number one, and but therefore, story hack number two, what, so what, now what, and story hack number three, once upon a time. And all of these work to help you get unstuck when you're trying to create content. And as business owners and business people, especially entrepreneurs, you have to create your own content nine times out of 10. So it's really important to have these structures that you can use right away. And I think the simplest one is and, but, therefore. And it is so, so simple. And I would like to give you an example if I could. Our daughter had to go get a COVID test and we promised her a milkshake after she got the COVID test. And we have a twins rule in our house. So if somebody gets something, the other one gets it too sometimes. So I was on a mission to go get <laughs> milkshakes, right? So I could tell the story like this to you. I could say, I got in the car, it was really hot and I went to McDonald's and I went to Burger King and I got milkshakes and I came home and I cleaned the car seats. That doesn't tell you a lot. I just kind of gave you a lot of ands and ands and this happened and then this happened. But if you use a story structure like and but therefore, it's a whole different ball game. So let me give you an example. I actually wrote it out 
And this is all very, very true. So how about this? I want you to listen for and and but and therefore those words. And instead of therefore, I might say so or that's why. Very, very quickly. So yeah. the, the and yeah. is, is your setup. It's set the up. context. It's mm -hmm. the situation. The but is the turn. It's where something happens. Generally, mm -hmm. it's a challenge or a problem. And then the therefore or that's why or so or as a result is the consequence or the resolution. Right. So here's here here's the story a different way. I got in the car and the outdoor temperature gauge registered 100 degrees. I drove to McDonald's to get some milkshakes, but because of the heat and demand for cold treats, they were out of milkshakes and sundaes. So I drove to Burger King, hoping they would have some shakes. I was delighted when I passed through the drive-through and was able to place my order. I pulled up to the pass-through window and a cardboard tray holding two milkshakes was presented to me in plastic domed open tops. I placed the cardboard tray on the passenger seat thinking I could take the shakes out and put them in the car's cup holders for better stability. But when I did that, one of the shakes tipped and because it was so hot, the already melted shakes started pouring onto the car seat, running quickly through the crack between the lower part of the seat and the upper back onto the rear floorboard. There weren't enough napkins in the world to clean it up. And I watched helplessly, thinking of how the stickiness would forever be in the car upholstery. That's why I immediately called my husband from the car saying, meet me in the driveway with as many towels as you can find in a big bucket of water. Many buckets of water and towels later, I was able to clean the car's interior, but I will always ask for closed cup lids going forward, so I will never have to go through that again. So what was the difference in those two stories besides the length of them? The first time it was just this happened and then this happened and this, this happened. But when you apply a story structure yeah. and but therefore, which I repeated three times, by the way, through that story, it gives you something to paint a picture in people's minds. So Vinny, did you kind of picture the milkshake running through the cracks of the seat and dripping on the floorboard and how stressful that would be? Yeah. Did you get that image in your mind? And that's what you want to do when you're telling a story is you want to connect with your audience. You want to captivate their attention so they keep listening. And then you want to, you know, convert them into taking the action that you want. So that's why storytelling is so important. And it doesn't have to be as long as the story I just shared. It could be three sentences, which could be your elevator pitch, right? right. So you can use the structure to almost anything, any type of content that you're creating for your business. So kids love telling stories for the most part, not as eloquent as that, of course, but they <laughs> love telling stories. So when you two were younger, mm. Were you telling a lot of stories, making up stories, maybe a little, mm. or how are you guys growing well, up? Uh, I, a couple things. I mean, first of all, my my dad was an Episcopal priest, so I got a lot of stories on Sunday, uh, mm -hmm. stories in the Bible, sermons. I got some sermons at home too. Um, so there's there's that. You know what we say, Vinny, is that all we're doing is helping people take what they take what they do naturally mm -hmm. and apply it to what they do professionally. In other words, we all do that. We do it as kids. We do it as adults with a beer in our hand at the bar. What happens is in business, we forget two things. 
One is to put our audience first. That's a, a lot of business, businesses think it's sort of about them. It's not. It's about your customers, about your audience. Um, the second thing is when you get to the but or the turn, almost invariably, as we said earlier, that's going to be a problem or a challenge. It is difficult for companies to talk about challenges that they've been through because sometimes it, they think it might make you look weak. Mm-hmm. When in fact, it just makes you look human. Right. And we tell people it's not about uh, telling your life story. It's about using struggle strategically. So that's it's it's something we do naturally, but it's also difficult for companies to get a hold of. No, I I can I can fully appreciate that. And for for you, Douglas, in before this, right, before you started this business um, with Lisa, you were in a religious family, correct? Yeah. Okay. so. Growing up in that religious family, hearing the stories, I mean, you had to refine this kind of way of, of telling the story. This, this idea of so, but, or however you put it. Sorry. Yep. It's okay. It. Uh, you had to refine that over time, correct? Yep. Okay. At a younger age, how were you telling stories? Did you always know you wanted to help people tell their stories, or where did that come from? Um, so no, I didn't think I would, you know, be in this particular space. Um, you know, interestingly enough, my dad actually studied what he called narrative theology. So he basically studied storytelling. Um, from a, a New Testament standpoint, I mean, the greatest storyteller, you know, in the New Testament is Jesus, and he explains things that are very complex using relatable terms that his audience can understand. So he's putting, even, you know, Jesus put, is putting his audience first. Um, so it's just, it's a natural thing for all of us to do. You know, when I, when I tell stories as a kid or as an adult, it's, a lot of it's either about sports or politics, less so politics when I was a kid, but it's about sports. And you don't just say, you know, the Yankees beat the Red Sox 3-2. You'll, you're going to say, you know, it's the bottom of the ninth. You know, the, you know, the bases were loaded. You know, it was a it was a walk off home run. It was incredible. Like you, you don't just give the score; you give some context and you give the story. So it's it's you know, for me as a kid, it was all about sports and, and telling those stories. What, Lisa, for for yourself? Okay, so yeah. Douglas had the religion, had the politics, and had the sports. Right. He's a speech writer. He's a speech writer by trade, too. So he's been used to writing things for other people to help inspire people and motivate people. So he's been doing that for a long time. I have been in sales and account development for my entire career for, well, I won't say how many years. But um, so I was actually using business storytelling in my jobs before business storytelling was a coined phrase. I mean, I don't think I heard business storytelling, you know, any earlier than six years ago or seven years ago. But when you're in sales and you're giving pitches or when you're in account development and you're trying to grow business, you are using business storytelling because you are, as Douglas said, um, using the art and science of making things matter and moving people to act. That's what you have to do. So, I was using business storytelling long before I'd even heard of the term. And uh, I I left the workforce for a while when our twins were born uh, to raise them. 
And then when they started school and Douglas got into doing this, he kind of pulled me in. So I was doing behind the scenes work beforehand, you know, the really fun stuff like the accounting and the taxes and, um, you know, all that stuff. But as I watched him do it, he's like, come, come help me do this. Come help me do these, these courses and these um, live workshops. And so I got a little more involved and I really love it. And I wish I had known these story structures a long time ago because they would have made my job easier a long time ago when I was in sales and account development. Because even if you can come up with these narratives, it takes a lot of time. And if you're under a deadline or under pressure, it's really hard to find the words with something that can be is, is really familiar to you. It still can be difficult to translate that in a way that will motivate other people to to find it interesting and act upon it. So we've had people say time and time again when they take our workshops, I wish I had known about this last week when I had to write so-and-so or when I had to get up and give a speech because it really simplifies the process. You can tell, at least from the, the couple of communications I've had with you guys before we got on camera and during during this interview, that Lisa, you're, you had that sales background Douglas, I mean, the storytelling, kind of walking it through. Now, so the the next question is going to be, how did you two meet? And who who asked who? What happened there? <laughs> oh, gosh. It's, um, do you want to tell them the whole story or the second part of the story? Oh, wait, let's just, we'll tell them the whole story. So um, we met we met on Match.com. And there's oh, okay. no affiliate relationship with Match.com. <laughs> Maybe I wish there were. Okay, um, yeah. But this was a long time ago. I don't know. Call me. I want an affiliate. No. Yeah. 18 years. I mean, a long time ago. Um, and we went on a few dates. and Three dates. Three dates. And um, I think, honestly, I think I, th I thought there might be more there. And I don't think I was ready for it. So I bailed. And so, and I wasn't that interested anyway. It was so, just take it or leave it. I mean, it wait, was wait, before before we get into that. Okay, on those platforms, it's yeah. all about sales, about telling your story, right? Yep. So how would you now, rank, right? <laughs> Lisa? Let's go with Lisa first. <laughs> how would you rank Douglas's story on his profile? Um, it was very cocky, very arrogant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But listen, was, you remember it was, was rye spry guy. W-R-Y, rye spry guy. Because she remembers, but she remembers it. That's the point. And there was no, and there was no photo. There was no profile photo. Oh, but wow. anyway, let's simplify this. So we went on like three dates. He didn't call back. I could care less. I wasn't that interested, right? Yep. He goes on, has a pretty serious relationship. I go on, have a pretty serious relationship. And then one day, three years later, yeah. I have a voicemail. Hi. This is a blast from the past. Oh, wow. uh, d blah, blah, Douglas, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I listened to us. Who is this person? I had, could, who, who is this? <laughs> and I went to my best friend and I go, did I ever date someone named Douglas? Because I don't remember it. Yeah. He was the guy that blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what on earth does he want? Why is he calling me out of the blue? I, what, what on earth? So, I did not call him back. And then my friend said, well, why don't you call him back? What do you have to lose? So what, three days later, maybe I called him back and I left a voicemail and said, I have no idea why you called me. I'm calling you back. So I don't seem rude, whatever. Right. So yeah. then he called back and we got in a phone conversation and I think we talked for two or three hours and then we went on a date and then I couldn't get rid of him. I think yeah. we were together every day after that. 
and I guess he was ready and I was ready. And uh, we dated for about nine months, got engaged, and were married 14 months later after our first date the second time around. And nine months doesn't mean anything. We didn't have kids. Oh, oh no, no, no. And then the babies were born four years later on our fourth wedding anniversary. Yes. So anyone in sales, just be aware, key is in the follow-up. Uh, yes, thank maybe you. Maybe don't wait three years. I don't know. Vinny, you just saved me, man. Thank you. <laughs> that was really good, Vinny. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's try to Douglas. Okay. Before we get on to where we went from there, how would you rank? Because again, this is before you guys met each other, and storytelling is is huge in those <laughs> profiles. Yep. Right. How would you rate Lisa's storytelling, if you recall it, in her profile? It was very good, and it was so good that I also remember what her handle was. Hmm. I believe it was Baylight Girl. Am I correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like uh, a, a mentalist here. Let me think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was Baylight Girl. It was. It was very. You know, it was good. Good storytelling. I can't. I don't. Th I don't think you had a picture. Oh yes, I did. You did. Oh yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. Look. Um, you know, Back when I was young and glamorous, yeah. Yes, well. Back in the day. There you go. But it was so, a yeah. girl because I loved going. To, we, we lived in the D.C. area at the time, and I loved crossing the Chesapeake Bay Bridge at night because the lights on the bay were just gorgeous. So, they like girl. You yeah, no, it was excellent. All right, so you're, you guys are together now. Or at that time, you were still in uh, sales, Lisa? Um, yes, I was still in sales, and Douglas was a speechwriter for a senator. Okay. How, so with, and I know now, Douglas, with, um, and for both of you, you, you're telling, helping entrepreneurs or business owners tell their stories. What's the difference, and is there even a difference, from politics, where you're having a politician kind of tell their stories uh, and on a daily basis or weekly basis, compared to a company putting the story together and kind of having a, an overview of it, I guess. It's a great question. And uh, since I apparently have a cocky streak in me, I will give you somewhat of a cocky <laughs> answer. The, typically, they're both not very good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, politicians will load up their speeches with facts and, you know, data because they're just kind of wired for that. And they think that's what their constituents are looking for. And they don't want to get tripped up. The storytelling component is what you need to actually touch people and reach people. Um, I'll give you a great example from a presidential standpoint. During a convention, one of the best, biggest opportunities for storytelling for a candidate running for president is that, you know, the first night when they run the bio, they have that big, you know, bio of, of where the person was from and what they did and how they did it and all this stuff. That's a great opportunity for storytelling. The problem is that kind of storytelling doesn't always translate onto the Senate floor or the campaign trail. For companies, it's sort of the same thing. It's, it's just difficult for people, especially to get to the butt, to get to the turn, because they're wired to think that that is sort of a sign of weakness, as opposed to a bridge that says, 
I'm a person and you're a person. We understand what it's like to go through these things, but we persevere and we overcome stuff. So, I mean, you can do it. The good ones do it. I'll just put it that way. The good ones do it. Right. There's something um, in um, NLP. You've heard of NLP, correct? Uh, 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 linguistic programming? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the idea is, is but basically takes takes everything that was stated before it away. Yes. In essence, right. So you're yep. only using. So it's like, I love you, but you know, this, <laughs> right. this, this, right? I mean, so it takes all that. How, when in in the storytelling aspect of it, is it? I guess a different mindset when you use but, or how does that change? I guess. Great question because I think I think what you're saying. I'll let Lisa me jump in. Is that in that context, if you say I I love you, and then the other person might even say, okay, I'm waiting for the but. Yeah, like it's a negative thing, yeah. as opposed to a an opposite thing. So I'll give you I'll give you one or maybe two examples. The, here's one example that we use in our course, um, and I think this will kind of lay it out. Uh, I keep this old ratty pair of running shoes, even though they're completely worn out. I've been tempted so many times to throw them away, but I don't because these were the shoes I wore when I trained for my first marathon, when no one thought I could do it. So I keep them to remind me that I can do anything I set my mind to, no matter the odds. I can tell you when I wrote that, I didn't know what I was going to write. Mm -hmm. I started out with a really great picture of some ratty shoes, really high res, and I, I'm like, I gotta use this. And I, you know, I wrote down ratty shoes, when I wrote the word but, that becomes a prompt for me to go, <clears throat> I got to think about something different. It, because it, is it you're giving a, an excuse for a negative thing, in essence? Or am I? It's not negative. It does, it's not negative. It's um, a lot of people, Vinny, a lot of people say that we're wired for stories or we're yeah. wired for storytelling, which is true. But here's what we're really wired for. We're really wired for different. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? It means I'm walking, I mean, go back 10,000 years, I'm walking by a tall bunch of grass and I hear something. That's, in other words, walking, there's grass. I don't hear anything, so that's the same. And then, ah, I hear something. Or that's you see the grass move. Yeah. You that's know different. There. Yeah. So it's, it's patterning. It's like, we like the pattern, but then when something different comes up, we pay attention. Mm. And that thing that I'm hearing or seeing, I only have a couple of questions to myself. Can I eat it? Can it eat me? Can I mate with it? That's it. So the butt is really the backbone of your story structure because it's making, um, how can I say this? It's, it's the reason you have your ending to your story, mm. right? It's the turn. It's 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 what takes you from the beginning to the end. You have to have that turn to go from the beginning to the end. You have to have that that change. And it's really the backbone of your story structure, I think. But to Douglas's point with the running shoes, if you have to sit down and write something um, and you get stuck and you write out your, your statement, your truth, something that no one can dispute. I love ice cream. Maybe that's your statement. Um, this is a... 18th century house that is your statement the butt is going to force you to create a story around it mm 
and, and it that doesn't you, yeah that will lead yeah. you to your conclusion and even though it might be a challenge or a problem it doesn't it doesn't have to be negative right. um I'll, let me give you a, a great another great example there are two folks who we look to who have inspired us to to do this to, to do and but therefore I mean, we've got two other story acts but those are the ones we're really focused on right now the first is a guy named randy olson he's a scientist turned filmmaker he's a he's the apostle for and but therefore but let me tell you where he got it from there's a show an animated series called south park Mm -hmm. Trey, what's the guy's name? Matt Stone and Trey Parker. Okay, those are the creators. I read in a book written by Randy Olson, I read that he was inspired by them. So I Googled Matt Stone, Trey Parker, and Ambit Therefore. And guess what I found? They did a seminar at the Tisch School at NYU. This is what they said. I think it was Matt. Stein. I can't remember who is who, but he goes, this is what we do in our writer's room. And he has like this imaginary board that he writes on. He goes, you know, if we say this happened and this happened and this happened. You're screwed. Mm -hmm. You got to say this happened, but this happened. Therefore, this happened. This is exactly what the guys from South Park do. Um, all we're doing is taking that structure. These create beats in your story. It keeps things moving along. It's not so much that the butt is a negative. It's a. It's different. Um, let me turn. let me yeah. give you a a real example from a commercial. I was up late one night watching ESPN, and this commercial came on, and it was LeBron James doing an ad about hunger, where he's partnering with Walmart, and this is what he said. I could not believe it. Here's the end part. Hunger is something way too many kids and families struggle with. You can't dispute that. I was one of those kids. Wow, you really can't dispute that. Growing up, my mom did everything she could to help keep food on our table. But she couldn't have done it without the support of our community. That's why Walmart's Fight Hunger Spark Change program means so much to me. So the butt sometimes also can take things up a level. Like you're talking about shoes, but you're really talking about being able to be motivated. You're talking about hunger. You're really talking about how the community helped you, uh, helped you through it. So it's just a turn. But there's LeBron James using a super simple script, and I think it's really powerful. When did you guys, and I know you were doing a lot of storytelling in your past career. Yeah. But when did you guys come up with the idea to actually build this business? Great question. Uh, I was working at a large a global multinational company in the fintech space. I guess we can say who it is. I, worked, I was working at MasterCard, and I was doing a lot of speech writing for uh, the C-suite there. And an executive came to me and said, um, my, my team is putting together decks, you know, PowerPoints, that just have riddled with data and facts. There's no story. Can you help with storytelling? And truth be told, Vinny, from a speech writing standpoint, when I thought about storytelling, I thought about anecdotes. Like, you know, George Washington did this, or, you know, Abraham Lincoln did this, or quotes. I didn't really know what storytelling was. Not, not the way I know now. Anyway, I said, sure, not knowing whether or not I could do it. And I started Googling storytelling and business storytelling. 
And then names like Steve Jobs came up, Carmine Gallo, Nancy Duarte, Robert McKee, this whole constellation of experts. Steve Jobs, I'll just give you the quick example that will solidify it. He said, you know, when he had the MP3 player uh, that was the iPod, there were a bunch of MP3 players on the market. So what was different about this? There were differences, but the main thing is Steve Jobs said, it's a thousand songs in your pocket. So he used a metaphor to make it simple and to make it relatable. That's storytelling in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so you came up with the idea, I guess, when that happened. When did you yes. actually say, I'm gonna actually switch over and build this company? Because with the script writing for, I mean, politicians, yep. MasterCard, yep. It, it was, it was, I guess, your own company too, right? Or were you actually getting salary? No, I was getting salary. I was working uh, at MasterCard in helping. Uh, I was writing speeches, but on the side, I was helping people with business storytelling. And okay. I sort of took off, so I put together a course, and that took off within the company. When I had a chance after you know five or six years to kind of do my own thing, I took it and started my own company. So if five, five to six years was when you actually, instead of doing a part-time, you went full-time? Yep. What, what do you think that gap was of taking five to six years to transition full-time? Well, I didn't know. I didn't know. The storytelling had only been doing it for like a year and a half um, toward the end of my time there. It was after that was such a huge success, I was kind of like, we had a reorg and I had a choice. I could either stay and do some other things as well, or I could you know, take a package and bolt. So I took the package after having this great success. And the, um, the storytelling that I did then was really good, but it has really evolved. It's a lot, a lot more interactive, a lot more, more exercises, more tactical, more practical. Um, but it was the experience there that made me think, all right, there's something here. I, I really should pursue it. And we've incorporated a lot of feedback, too, that we've gotten from participants who have taken our training to say, this was great, but this was really what I really wanted to focus on. And so we've really kind of fine-tuned our workshops to making it extremely simple, extremely practical. We like to say less theory and more resu- less theory, more doing better results. Because... We really put exercises in there in the workshop that you can do and use right away as soon as you get off the call. You can apply it. You can have a great product. You can have a a great system in place, yet you need clients. So where were those clients coming from? So we did tons of networking on social media, blog posts. We had a network from our previous lives. We ended up having a lot of clients in Africa. I was in Morocco uh, for how long was it? Two weeks? Three weeks, I think. Three weeks. Uh, I've been to, that was one trip. I've been to Rwanda. That was a second trip. Um, I remember I did a session with uh, women who were all CEOs, including the youngest female CEO on the entire continent of Africa. And I remember we were standing and I was going through something with her, like really close up. And, um, after we went through all this stuff, she's like, this is just life changing. So we just, it was basically networking people we know, but also social networking as well. 
Mm-hmm. Has that still been kind of the just networking mostly for your business these days? Yeah, yeah, we're trying to actually, we've got kind of a pipeline put together that is, I think, working well. Part of the key is, you know, back to the consistency and the execution, you've got to have a pipeline and you got to keep feeding it. And it's taken a while to get better at it, but I think we're getting there. Now, Lisa, when did you jump into the picture? So five, six years, it was kind of Douglas is doing it part time. Were you part of it at that time or? I All behind the scenes, just okay. helping with like things like designing graphics, designing mark, marketing collateral, um, helping with the website. Um, not so much the training part. I think I started the training part a year ago, a year ago last May. Um, we did a uh, webinar workshop for entrepreneurs, um, female entrepreneurs, and I that was my first time on camera doing a live workshop, and it was it was really good that it was female entrepreneurs. I think for my first time because I think we had a little bit of a, a rapport going, and so that was my first time I dipped my toes in the water of doing it. And now I love it. I love doing it. But these were women, these these are women starting to write, but these are women from Kenya, Nigeria, and Ghana. Uh Ghana is one of the great hotbeds for women entrepreneurship on the planet. Yep. Mm. Um, And, you know, look, Vinny, I thought I did a great job on that, you know, uh, workshop. At least Marie did too. I mean, thought that she did a great job. But nobody reached out to me to say anything. They all reached out to her and it wasn't just because she was a woman. She just did a great job. Well, it, it sounds like, and correct me if I'm, I'm wrong. I mean, because of Douglas's background, he, he probably at least put the outline together of your, your courses. Yes. Right. And Lisa, you had to, I guess, get a good understanding of the courses before you could teach the courses. How was that training going along when, you're getting taught by your, your husband. I bet that was very smooth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh, Jenny. <laughs> well, yeah, and we still have very smooth days. Um, you know, when I first started helping with the training, I would say we would have our, our we script out, you know, script out the course, and I would say, okay, I'm going to take that part because that's the part I feel most comfortable with. Because it was, you know, it takes a while to learn all of it. So I would take the parts that I felt most comfortable with. I think I'm comfortable now with everything, but I would take that content and focus on that. Um, But we really do when we're updating courses, creating new things, even social media. We don't agree five times. Well, I was going to say five times out of 10, maybe six times out of 10, we don't agree. And you, you fight it out, right? And you say, whoever can make the best point wins and then we change it to whatever that is it's not easy working with your spouse um it's not easy on the kids when mommy and daddy have to say stay upstairs and be quiet for the next three hours we're doing a you know webinar but you find a rhythm and you create a schedule and we make sure even though we do work over weekends we make sure that at 5 36 o'clock at night we shut down the computers, we sit down and we have family supper. And then we go and we sit down on the couch and we watch AGT as a family or Mass Singer as a family, whatever the kids want to watch. It's really important to make time for your family. And this is important, but you just have to be really good with your time management. You have to be really organized. We make a to-do list every day. We look at it every day. 
we re-rank the priority of what needs to get done and you just have to stick to that or you will drown and get lost as an entrepreneur and everything that you have to do because you're the CEO, the CMO, the CFO, CFO, everything, the UFO, Douglas said, <laughs> everything. And so you do have to be organized and, and really use your time wisely. Okay. I, I want to just dive deeper into this right here. So you said that you guys talk it over and whoever makes the, the best point wins it out. Because I, I mean, I'm engaged, I'm beginning married to, and I've learned this at least, that uh, sometimes when someone's passionate about something and the other person's passionate about something, there's usually not a decider of who's right <laughs> in the end. I've learned that if my significant other is very, very passionate about it and I kind of want to calm <laughs> just be done with it, I, I let her win and just say, okay, yes, dear. You know what? We are filming this, right? You got that. Oh right? yeah, that's fine. She, I'm she I tell her this all the time. She's fine. I'm kidding. She knows that. I'm kidding. So with with you two, is, is there like how do you define a winner of who's making the best point? Because you have to be giving and taking, and you might feel that you are making the better point than your partner, but there has to be someone that makes the final say or makes the choice, or how does that work? <laughs> Great question. Okay, Look. so. So okay, back, go ahead. You do back it. Back in the day, 20 years ago, when I was uh, I was with American Express for a long time. And when I would interview for a different position within the company, we had what they called evidence-based interviewing. So you couldn't just say I'm really good at sales. You had to give evidence to back it up, right? So when we're arguing something, I usually try to show some evidence or some statistics or something to prove my point. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, I think you, you, it's sort of, you just have to, um, you got to put a thermometer into the steak and figure out how hot it is. This, that's what I do sometimes. <laughs> and what I mean by that is you just got to decide it, if she if she really thinks this is the way to go, I will typically give. I'll try to give in on that. But look, if if it's a something that's going to you know affect the P and L, uh, then we really have to kind of fight it out. But rarely, it's more about like graphics or layout. It's not really about messaging. She's very helpful on a lot of things, but especially I might come up with a sentence and she will help me simplify it. Mm. Um, there is a complimentary aspect to it, uh, complimentary with an E. That's super important so you don't get into a bubble. You get to hear another point of view. That's critical. But Vinny, it's also important to have compliment with an I, meaning, hey, that was awesome. And we're pretty good about that. Making sure to not just to put a, you know, slap the, your hand on, on her back, but really just to say that was great. I'll give you a quick example. We do our scripts for our workshops. She puts them on an Excel spreadsheet. I would never have thought of this. And that way you're reading left to right, which is how you read. It's so much easier. And something she does every time we have a workshop, um, if, or actually we, we got kind of a set thing now, but I remember when she first suggested it, I, I didn't quite get it, but now it's just, it's great. So. Fun, you know, a little tip for everybody else. If you're doing a presentation on on Zoom or on uh, StreamYard or something, put it on on Excel spreadsheet. It makes it a lot easier. If if we're talking, in let's say five years from now, 
where is communicate for impact going to be where lisa and, and douglas going to be where where do you guys envision yourself going in the next five years well i think one of the things that we would like to be doing is more in-person workshops we we started out doing that and then with covid everything went you know zoom related it'll be interesting to see if people are hungry for in-person training going forward or if they like the ease of just being able to log in and, and then be done as soon as it's over or not having the travel and all that. It'll be really interesting to see what the desire is for that, I think, going forward. Um, I think the other thing is we want to have a lot more on-demand offerings so people have the flexibility. As we said, we're working on that right now. We're, we're working on an on-demand course as we speak that we hope to be ready um, within the next 30 days. So people can check in with us on that to see how that's going. But what do you think, Douglas? You know, my uh, my thought is, first of all, we want to build on our house. We have a nice backyard, enough room to kind of build out. I would love to have, in a perfect world, like a studio for us where we could do, uh, we could film stuff, but we could have podcasts. Right. And I mean, just state-of-the-art everything. That is what I would really like to have. Yeah, that's great. All right, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish it off with with this question right here. Okay, <clears throat> who's gonna go first, Lisa or, or Douglas? I don't know. What's the question? All right, we'll go Lisa <laughs> first. All right, now, okay, online dating is a big thing, and we already talked about your guys's right. Okay, with match right there. If you could give one nugget, one nugget for someone listening right now, and they're getting on to online dating. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to put their story together. Okay. What's one nugget, one suggestion that they should think about when they're putting it together? Lisa, you're first. <sighs> Could be a new uh, um, I think it's important to be extremely authentic and really say what you like and don't like and what you're looking for maybe what you're not looking for um be very transparent and it will weed out a lot of uh inappropriate suitors all right what what about you douglas you know honestly i was going to say the same thing i mean put be yourself be yourself um don't try to come up with a persona you know be, be creative be creative in being yourself in other words don't just say you like music. Uh, say, um, what did I used to do? I'm trying to think what I used to do. I don't um, know. <laughs> um, like, like I would just come up with like a list of, of stuff like Beatles, Apple Pie, Yankees. I mean, just like put a list together and just see if, it, if that resonates with anybody. Um, so the first thing is be yourself. The second thing is to be, be creative about it. I love it. Well, and then if anyone's listening right now and they need help kind of building their story, want to learn how to build their story, what's the best platform for them to to find you guys, to go to your, your platform, to reach out to you guys? What's the best way? So, um, Vinny, we, do you, did you put the landing page link up? Yes. Okay, okay, there's a landing page link for us that um, people can subscribe to our weekly newsletter called Story Direct, where we um, curate some of the best business storytelling articles out there each week and send them directly to your inbox. That gives you a sense of how other people are using storytelling business. And then there's some other offerings on there, training offerings. We have free lunch and learns on Wednesdays for an hour that people can register for. We also have a free 
download of the worksheet so people can actually work through and but therefore that we covered right. today. So if they have some content they need to create, they can download that worksheet and that will help them with that. Um, and we, we have our book. And we have a book. We have a book that's rooted in business storytelling called When With Decency. And we uh, show you real world business examples how of how leaders have used gratitude, generosity, empathy, vulnerability. Humility. Humility. Um, to uh, be more competitive in business. So you said go to your, your website, right? And, they can go and to our website or there's a landing page link, I believe, in the podcast. So part. if you've got the landing page link, that's really your first place oh, to go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Every, it's loaded up with stuff. And then uh, communicate4impact.com. And it's uh, communicate, the number four, impact.com is our website. Perfect. I, I'm pretty sure I'm on your uh, yes. Okay. Story direct. Okay. Yes. All right. I look. I look forward to reading that stuff. Uh, thank you guys for for being here. Thank you for thank you. for telling your story. Thank you for being being honest and being real. I mean, I, I love I you can I love the communication. You can tell that it, it's definitely a fun work environment building out your guys' workshop. Hopefully, yeah. everyone got some great nuggets. Uh, please subscribe. Please share. Go to the website. Go to uh, the show notes and subscribe. Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.